I said, my name's Seth. Uh, I used to be uh, one of the pastors here. I used to be, let's see, the operations pastor. I was the middle school pastor. I was the worship pastor. I got fired. I came back. I became the sound guy. And then I became productive. I actually don't even know what my title is right now anymore, but I'm here and I'm like thrilled. <laughs> so I've had this really cool ride uh, at Ecclesia since 2009. Uh, that's how long we've been here. The church has been around since 2008, I believe. And so my wife and I came here in 2009. I've been here ever since, seen God do amazing things at this church. Uh, I'm thrilled to be a part of it. I'm thrilled you guys are here. So. I want to ask you guys the question, what does it mean to find our identity in Christ? This is a question that every follower of Jesus uh, should ask themselves and, and examine in their own life. And if you are not a follower of Jesus, to contemplate that meaning, the meaning of what does it mean to find your identity in Christ? And we're going to kind of dive into that tonight. Usually I start with a teaching, uh, usually I start a teaching with a story uh, because I don't teach that often, and it kind of allows me to get into my groove, my element. But the story I want to tell tonight is actually right in the middle, so bear with me if I'm kind of jumpy, because I haven't done this in a while. Uh, but I feel like it's, it's better to kind of explain it around the points I'm going to make. So we're going to dive right in. If you guys are note takers, pull out your phone, your pens, paper, whatever. If you're not, that's cool too. Uh, so when we talk about what it means to find our identity in Christ, I feel like it's helpful and beneficial to have a better understanding if we first look at three opposing identities and how to change our shift or our focus to an identity in Christ. So, the first opposing identity. Is your identity being found in your personality or your interests? So, when we are first born... Uh, anybody held a brand new baby before? Yeah? Yeah? Some of you? Yeah. Uh, you guys know if, if you hold a brand new baby, that baby can't do very much, right? It's just this little, like, meat blob that's hungry, and it's poopy, and it's fussy, and sleepy. It, it doesn't have much of a, of a personality. It's just this thing that you hold, and you have to take care of. Uh, it's like high-stakes Tamagotchi pets, you know? So, uh, but when we grow, and as we get older, we start to have characteristics. We start to have personalities. We learn how to walk and how to talk and become slowly and slowly more capable of doing things our own. Uh, and as we grow, as the baby grows, uh, your personalities start to form. You start to develop traits and personalities that are you. Now, I have two daughters that I'm going to uh, bring up here. That is Bonnie on the right, and that is Betty on the left. Now, uh, Bonnie is seven, and Betty is five. Uh, Bonnie has, uh, the, the oldest, Bonnie has fairly classic uh, firstborn personality traits. She loves to do things by herself, if you give her a task, she's pretty confident that she can do it. Uh, she likes to play by the rules. If you're playing a card game, she plays it the right way. And she'll win and she'll lose. She's, she's, she's generally fine with losing. Sometimes she'll throw fit. Depends on how hungry she is. Uh, but she has a lot of firstborn personality traits. Plays by the rules, does things the right way. Betty 
has fairly, fairly classic youngest personality traits. She loves to have you do everything for her. If you give her a task, she asks you to help her with it or if you will do it for her. Uh, if she plays a game, she makes up her own rules. If you're playing a card game, she'll take your good cards out of your hand and say that they are hers, and then she'll play them all, and she's like, I win. And I'm like, no, you clearly cheated and lost. And she's like, nope, I won. Deal with it. <laughs> so, like, they, have, they are both my daughters, but they have very distinctive, different personalities. Thank you, Edward. Uh, so let's say that uh, Bonnie and Betty are at the Ecclesia Kids class at church. We have some awesome volunteers who I know you guys have, some of you have volunteered in here. But uh, let's say that they're in the uh, kids class uh, at Ecclesia on a Sunday. And if there's a new volunteer in the kids class, they'll point to Bonnie and Betty and say like, hey, who, who are those kids? And they'll say, oh, that's Bonnie and Betty. And they'll be like, well, no, but like, who are they? Like, who are they? And you know, they're not going to say, oh, Bonnie, she's the rule follower and Betty is the cheater. That's not what they're going to say, right? They're going to be like, no, that's, that's Bonnie, and that's Betty. Those are Seth and Jana's kids. That's their identity. Their personalities isn't what defines them, uh, doesn't, doesn't uh, explain their identity. It's the who, whose are they? Sometimes we try to make our personalities our identities, right? Sometimes we want to be known as that person. And I think we're all susceptible to this. Sometimes we want people to know, oh, he's the funny one. Oh, he's, she's the athlete. Or they're the genius. Or they're the book reader. Or they're the movie buff. Like, sometimes it feels good to be known as that person, right? We're all susceptible to this. And when, some, when someone says something about being an athlete or a genius or being fashionable, we kind of want that other person then to be like, bring up our name, right? Like, oh, you got to meet my friend, Seth. He's really into book reading. I'm not. He really loves movies. He really loves athletics. He really loves, I don't know, fill in the blank. We want those things to become our personality. And those things can feel good, right? To be known as that person. Because it feels like an identity, but yet it's an incomplete one. It's a temporal one, because we are more than just those things. Now, I'm going to be transparent with you guys, because this is something that I'm actually very susceptible to. Uh, I I am a a follower of Christ, uh, but I still find myself chasing after these things, these you know, identities where my passions can become something that I really want to be known for. I, I fall pretty hard into this camp. Uh, and I would even give you kind of a list of things that I like to be known for, but I almost feel like that in itself would be backwards. Be like, be like a backdoor compliment, you know, or backdoor brag, as that was called. Uh, it's kind of paradoxical because I like want to tell you what, what these things are, but then I also don't want to say them so that way you don't think I'm known for them. I don't know if that makes sense at all, but... I'm not going to tell you. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I am very susceptible to those things. I like to be known as that guy, this guy, the guy who does this. And I think that we all can fall into that camp. I think that it actually really started with uh, my testimony. So when I was in middle school, uh, 
Uh, I, I grew up and I was always the kid who would follow everybody around, right? I didn't really have confidence. I really didn't have um, what I felt like was meaning in my life. So there was like the cool kids at school. And I was, I was that kid who was part of the cool kids group, but not because he was cool. It was just because he was in their vicinity. Like that was it. Just followed them around. I was not cool in any way, shape, or form. So uh, one summer, my parents go to Hawaii, and me and my sister stay with literally, like, I, it's like a high school movie. Like, uh, we stayed with the coolest kid in school, his family, and, and we're kind of friends. But I'm like, dude, I'm at this kid's house. This is awesome. Like, I'm going to have so much clout at school. And I'm playing with his dog, and his dog bites me on the face. And, and it was like, it was shocking. It was fine. It was just like a quick nip. And then the mom came around the corner. She's like, did she just bite you on the face? I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm fine. It's, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> come, come to find out later, weeks after my parents get back and uh, I get back home, I don't know this until my first day of seventh grade. I walk in. There's all the cool kids standing around. And I walk up, and I'm like, hey, guys, and nobody talks to me. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? How you guys doing? And nobody's talking to me. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And one of the kids leans over and goes, you killed Thomas's dog. And I was like, what? And, he, and he's like, <laughs> he said something like, you hit the dog so it would bite you. And now they put the dog down. And I was like, no, I didn't. That, I, that's not what happened. I was playing with the dog, and it bit me on the face. And I, and I look at the, the coolest kid. I'm like, Thomas, dude. And he wouldn't even look at me or talk to me. And I was like, okay, nobody else would talk to me. So I, like, left. And I was the kid who would, like, eat lunch in the teacher's classrooms because nobody wanted to talk to me. I felt, like, very just alone and didn't have any friends. And I ended up making some friends with, like, the scuzzballs of the school, uh, and they were just, they were not good for me and kind of led me down some paths that I shouldn't have, uh, developed some personality traits that would turn into some really bad personality traits. Uh, but so I had this, this moment where I was trying to find my identity with this group of kids uh, and literally became, you know, kicked out and didn't have any friends and had super low self-esteem. That went on from seventh grade until I was 16. Now, when I was 16, I went to Camp Harlow, and I had this just amazing experience where I you know, knew truly who Jesus was in my life. I had you know, known him since I was five. My dad's a pastor, so I grew up in a Christian household. Uh, so I, I, I like, you know, knew it, but I didn't know it. And so at Harlow, I had this really cool just experience where Jesus was like, you are my child. Your identity is found in me. And so I was able to get past some of the trauma and stuff like that that had happened. Uh, but what's really cool, here's something that's really, really cool, is that that guy, Thomas, he now goes to Ecclesia, and we're really good friends. He is a follower of Jesus. He wasn't a follower of Jesus when we first met. Uh, but he now is, and, and we're super close, and it's so, it's so cool. But, so here's, here's the really funny part. So while I was trying to figure out who I was, I started a lie. 
This lie was that I was first cousins with Tom Cruise. Now, this happened, I, we were in Kentucky, and we were at the airport, and there was a magazine with Tom Cruise in, on it. And I was like, dude, I love Mission Impossible, that's the coolest movie ever. And so I bought the magazine, and it talked all about his family. It named, like, his mom and his sisters. So I memorized the mom's name and the sister's name. And so I would start this rumor at school. I was like, oh, I'm Tom Cruise's cousin. Oh, yeah, like, because his full name is Thomas Cruise Mapother Third. And then I memorized, and I can't remember now. I wish I could, but I memorized his sister's names, his whole, like, almost his whole family tree. So that way it was, seemed legit. So it was like deep-rooted lie, right? <laughs> so, uh, so I tried to make that my identity. And you, you guys may be probably too young to know this because I'm old, but uh, a couple years after I started that lie, he went off the deep end. He went crazy. He was jumping on Oprah's couch, as, and he's like, you know, uh, going nuts about Scientology and stuff like that. And then they're like, hey, aren't you Tom Cruise's cousin? I was like, no, 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 that's not me. And so it's kind of like, you know, Peter denying Jesus kind of thing. Um, but so I had started this lie, and then it, I kind of got caught in it. And what's really funny, too, is that when I started coming to Ecclesia, I had these people from school show up one day, and I was, me and my wife were at the door greeting, and he goes, Seth, what's up, man? And he goes, this is my wife, Kelsey. He goes, Kelsey, this is Tom Cruise's cousin. <laughs> and I just laughed. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And he's like, what? And I was like, dude, that was a lie. I started in middle school. Sorry. And he laughed it off. He was really cool about it. But so it was this really funny thing that came back around full circle to Ecclesia. Uh, but so I was using uh, this, this lie uh, to try to make my own identity, right? When I felt so lost, when I felt incomplete, when I felt ostracized, uh, I started this life so that way I would have um, something. You know, that became who I was. It was my, my interest in Mission Impossible and Tom Cruise became uh, this really gross, tangled web of lies. So, uh, so we need to ask ourselves, is this interest or perceived personality trait an idol in my life? Is this thing that I want to be known for, has this become the focus of my life? Is, is the lie of Tom Cruise an idol in my life? Yes, yes it was. Am I pouring all of my time and my energy into the pursuit of this thing so I can claim it as my identity? And in my testimony, I really wanted the approval of man, right? I really wanted them to tell me how cool I was or how great I was. I was seeking the approval of man. But Galatians 1.10 says this, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of God. And then Matthew 6.24 says this, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. We need to be careful that we're not letting our interests and our hobbies or our personalities define who we are as followers of Christ. They will not last, they will not satisfy, and they may even catch up with you later in the future. Number two, the second opposing identity. 
Are you, are you letting your identity be found in the guilt of your past sins? Are you, are you having trouble finding your new identity in Christ because you can't let go of your past? Are you not allowing Christ's full forgiveness to release you of that chain? Now, this one's kind of deep. This one can be weighty. Because we can all come down pretty hard on ourselves for our mistakes. And again, I'll throw myself right into that mix. I can come down real hard on myself for the things I've done in the past and, and the people who I've wronged and who I've hurt. I still even think about them. And when I do, I can have just a really heavy heart. I can feel burdened. I can feel worthless. And I can feel used. I can feel despicable. Now, it's good for us to remember where we've come from. Because that can allow us to be a better follower of Jesus. If we let it become our driving force, it can do some real damage to our identity and our relationship with Jesus. And you may say, yes, Seth, but you don't know what I've done. And I would counter you, you don't know what I've done. But Jesus knows what we've both done. And his forgiveness is greater than what we've both done. That is cool. If you had a scale, you know, one of those scales that you know, balance things out, and you put all of your sin and all of my sin on one side, and then Jesus' forgiveness on the other side. Jesus wins every time for every single person. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not some, all, everything. Everything that you have done in your life, wiped clean. And realize that you're not alone. The enemy wants us to uh, feel like we are alone, but you're not. Romans 3.23 says, For, again, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us sitting in here are without sin. But again, Jesus' forgiveness is greater than all of our sin combined in this room. Everything in here, from our past, our present, our future, Jesus' forgiveness is greater than all of it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You are made brand new. A fresh start, clean slate. And guess what? That fresh start remains forever. It's not like, oh, I'm made new, I'm brand new, so here I go again, and then I'm going to blot it up again. It's like, no, you're, you're fresh, and you remain fresh the whole time. It's a really cool picture. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the other guys, and I'm probably going to ruin this analogy now, but I always think of uh, Will, uh, gosh, 
what's, what's his name? Will, thank you. Will Farrell and Mark Wahlberg. And he's like, fresh start, fresh start? Yeah, fresh start. I always think of that part. Anybody seen it? No? No, okay, cool. But fresh start every time. Every single mess up. Jesus is like, fresh start. But every single time, every sin, past, present, future, clean slate, fresh start. God has sent Christ to the cross to forgive you of your sins. So anything that you think is too much for him, it's not. The big ones to the small ones, the, the known sins that you've committed to the unknown sins that you committed, he has wiped them all clean. You will always be made brand new by his forgiveness. Finally, the third opposing identity, number three. Are you trying to find your identity without Jesus? Now, what I mean by this is, if you are here today and you don't know who Jesus is, what are you chasing? What are you seeking after? Are you in here today and your identity is being found in everything else the world has to offer except Jesus? Are you looking for satisfaction elsewhere? Are you looking for answers elsewhere? Do you find yourself searching? And do you find that nothing you are doing or experiencing in life is giving you that fulfillment that you desire? I saw this really cool interview <clears throat> with Tom Brady. Now, Tom Brady is quarterback. Uh, I forget. He's playing for the, with the Buccaneers right now, right? And he, this, was, this was years and years and years ago. And he was doing this interview, and he was talking about being a, a Super Bowl champ you know, he's, he has, how many rings does he have now? Anybody know? Seven. seven? He has seven rings. He's married to a supermodel. He has, I, I don't know how many kids. He's got literally everything you could possibly want in life as like a person on earth. And in this interview, the interviewer asked him, you have literally everything. You are a millionaire. You've got rings. You are an athletic champion. You are married to a supermodel. You have a beautiful family. Are you satisfied? And he said, no. And the guy then asked him, what are you searching after? And Tom Brady's answer was, I don't know. That blew my mind. He literally has everything the world has to offer. And he still is searching for something, and he has no idea what it is. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes over and over and over again that everything in this life is fleeting, that everything in this life passes away and never, ever satisfies. And then Jesus says in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Only in Christ can we find our satisfaction and our Savior. So, to find our identity in Christ, to understand what it means to have our identity in Christ, we need to look at these three opposing identities 
and boil it down to the three solutions. Number one, is Jesus your satisfaction? Are you letting idols in your life get in the way of him? Are you trying to fill that identity void with other things? Do you want to be known as that person, as the person who does this or is good at that? Is Jesus your satisfaction? Then number two, is Jesus your forgiveness? Have you allowed his mercy and his grace to fully penetrate your past, your present? And are you going to allow him to penetrate your future? And then number three, is Jesus your Savior? Have you surrendered your life over to him? Have you allowed Jesus into your heart and your life to bring eternal life? To find your identity in Christ, we need to allow him to be your satisfaction, your forgiveness of sins, and most importantly, your Savior. Just like how Bonnie and Betty are my daughters, and that is their identity. Galatians, I'm going to leave you with this verse. Galatians 3.26 says, For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons and daughters of God through faith. So I want to ask you, I want to give, and I want you to give yourself an honest answer. What is your identity in? Is your identity in your past? Is your identity in your sins? Is your identity in your desires, your personality traits, who you want to be? Is your identity in the things of this world? Or is your identity fully in him? Because he is the only one that satisfies. He is the only one that forgives. He is the only one that brings you eternal life. Ask yourself tonight that question. What is your identity in?